you for tuning in to Jason DeMars Live. Every Tuesday and Friday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I teach on various biblical topics. Get in contact with me at jasondemars.com. Let me know what topics you would like me to cover in future videos. I have free books and tracks available for you to order and shipping is free as well. Make sure to subscribe and click the little bell to get notified when I post a new video. Good morning, everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Sure appreciate that. And again, reminding you, feel free to ask any questions in the comment section, or you can contact me on my website, and I'll be glad to be in contact with you there. And remember to subscribe and click the little bell. If you're on YouTube, uh, like, comment, and uh, follow me on Facebook. So appreciate that. <clears throat> We're going to continue speaking on the role of emotions in worship. And we want to find a good, solid balance in the Bible and in the message. Also, for those listening in, uh, please send your greetings. I'd like to greet you personally. All right, let's look at the scriptures. We're going to look at Matthew 15 and verse 7, 8 and 9. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. I believe we see a wonderful scriptural balance there. <clears throat> Jesus is saying these people, they draw near only with lip service. They're not drawing near from their heart. To draw near from our heart means... Our innermost being in sincerity is drawing near to the Lord. It isn't mere words, but it is worship from the heart. It is heartfelt worship. It is worship where your, your whole desire and passion and joy and all that you are is engaged in this. It might be sorrow uh, for repentance. It might be sorrow uh, and, and an inward burden that you're, you're feeling. It might be joy unspeakable and full of glory that makes you shout and, and weep and lift your hands and all these different things. It might make you dance, but it's from your heart. It's not doing it because I'm under pressure to do it like what everybody else around me is doing, but it's doing it from your heart, regardless of if other people are doing it or not. It's from the depth and burden and desire that you have in your heart. Again, I want to emphasize that. It's not because other people are doing it. You're not doing it out of some pressure that you feel uh, placed upon you externally, but it's an internal 
passion and desire. Uh, We can get going so much upon other people's emotion, and that's okay. But we're not we're not getting emotional in worship because an outward force is pressuring us to do it. But we're doing it because an inward source is pushing out. Like Brother Branham said um, in the sermon, Broken Cisterns. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not something outward coming upon us, but it's, it's an inward transformation that's bubbling out it's it's not the water coming in to a cistern but it's a water that's bubbling up from a spring a well that's a spring within our heart and and pushing out our deepest passions desires rejoicing etc etc God wants our heart. He doesn't want just our mind, but he wants our hearts. And from our hearts, he wants our spirit and our body. He wants all of us. And then in verse uh, 9 of chapter 15 in Matthew, he says, But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So, it is vain worship. Worship without the heart is in vain. God considered it, considers it to be useless, purposeless worship. And he says it's teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So when you're teaching a false word, a false doctrine, it's it's in vain so it again what we want is spirit and truth john 4 23 but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such such to worship him god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth All right, now, in spirit doesn't just mean emotions, but it's speaking of the power of Almighty God. At the same time, it is speaking, we're worshiping from the depths of our heart, and God's Spirit is there, and God's Spirit produces a work in God's people. All right, and truth. We don't want just, well, we have truth, And please, we don't want emotions. The true Spirit of God working, revealing the truth of God produces emotion, but not just merely emotion. It produces the supernatural. It produces a life lived in subjection to the Word. But more than anything, more than more than more than anything it produces that word in you and that word in you emotions comes with it brother branham says it's the stimulation of revelation it's not the deadening of revelation it's 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 not the silence of revelation 
but it's the stimulation of revelation. Few people are sending their greetings. Sister Chantel, good morning and God bless you. Brother Herb, God bless you. Uh, Brother Lindsley, God bless you as well. Shalom to each one of you. Thank you for sending your greetings. So we worship the Father in spirit and in truth from our heart and from our, what's revealed to our minds and gets into our heart. From our heart and from our mind. That which is revealed to us and that which comes into us. Again, it's in balance. Psalm 98, 4 through 9. It's not the fanatic way and it's not the intellectual way. It's God's way is the balance in the middle. So let's look at Psalm 98, 4 through 9. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and, with vo- and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of a cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Wonderful. So here is God commanding through his word when we worship. Now, again, this isn't the only scripture about worship. And we'll talk a minute about that. But this is the Bible. This is, this is scriptural. You know, the scripture also says, Psalm 4, verse 4, Stand in awe and sin not. Communion with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 84, verse 4, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. And so there's a place. There's a place for silence, silent prayer, uh, silent worship. And, and there's a place for joyful, noisy worship, loud I mean, is this scripture or not? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Right? So here we have, we have a psalm that says, Be still. Communion with your own heart upon your bed. Be still and know that I am God. Come and worship before me and be still. And here we have a scripture that says, make a joyful noise. Some people will take, they say, well, we want to we be still. We want to be quiet in our worship. Other people say, only the Spirit of God is here when it's noisy. No. How about we let the Spirit of God move amongst us and we don't have to have a form or a ritual to say God is here amongst us. 
we let the Spirit of God move, and sometimes the Spirit of God will produce silence, and sometimes the Spirit of God will produce noisy rejoicing. If it's always noisy rejoicing, or if it's always stillness, I think perhaps we have something out of balance. We have a tradition. Our tradition says we must be noisy. Our tradition says we must be quiet. How about let it be this? Our desire is to let the Spirit of God move amongst us the way the Spirit of God desires to move amongst us. We want everything that God has for us. We want, we want gifts. We want fruit coming out of the true revealed word. I think we can all say and understand that the primary thing is not emotion. The primary thing that we have is the word of God. We, we base our emotion on the word. Yeah, we, we, we base our lives on the word, not on emotion. And yet we understand that emotion comes with it. All right, let's continue. I've got, I've got quite a number of quotes I want to read. Not just the ones that some people like, but the, I believe all of these things are important. Not, not just one way of doing it. All right, so let's look at this. Brother Branham is speaking in the sermon, A True Sign That's Overlooked, November 12, 1961. And I'm sorry, this is, these are lengthy quotes. Today we just think about big crowds. What is it? It's a political organization. If we come, some great evangelists come to the city, what comes first? A bunch of men. If all the Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterian, all of them, they want to make a little, make up a little score that they, these can only preach this and he can't preach that and he can't preach this, but he can preach that. What have you got? And they walk up there, women, I'm talking about Pentecostals, women go up there on the altar, they keep pleading. I've, I've always been against an altar call. Just let Brother Branham speak. Uh, I'm not... I'm not trying to pigeonhole anything. I, I know Brother Branham makes altar calls over and over again and speaks about it over and over again. You can look at it in, in the table. There's, there's many things spoken about altar calls. He also says this, okay? So don't blame me for it. I'm not going to say this is the only thing that he says, but he says it. He says, I've always been against an altar call. Might as well say it. I don't believe in them. No such a thing in the Bible. How can any man come lest God calls him? You couldn't keep him that way. You don't have to call anything. God has called him. Altar call is a Methodist idea. That's right. Altar calls, they get a hold of them, say, John, you know, your mother died a long, uh, died a long time ago. Oh, yes, brother. Oh, oh, that's not conversion. Here a few nights ago, we had a display in Louisville of a woman brought in a casket laid up on a platform of the armory. Hundreds of people said, run to the altar. The gospel is not a scare. It's not a sympathetic feeling. It's a conversion of conviction. Watch of these things, these great evangelists, and even my humble little ministry, not excluding me. Sometimes I feel like ashamed going out. That's right. What, what are we to do? 
stand and make altar calls and persuade them. Little girls come up there and all chewing gum say, see, I see I'm going, uh-huh. These women come up there with bobbed hair, painted faces, Pentecostals, and go in and come out, and they say they spoke in tongues and never let their hair grow and still do the same thing that they did. You tell me that's conversion? That's a mockery of God. Bible said it's a sin and a disgrace for them to cut their hair. How can a woman with bobbed hair condemn a woman that's got paint on her face? Might as well hear it. The hour is coming till the axe is laid to the root of the tree, and every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewed down. What's the matter? It was wrong, because our modern so-called preachers out here, big crowds and stuffed shirts, the organizations know no more about God than a Hottentot does about an Egyptian knight when it comes. They go up there. What if that people at Pentecost would have went up there and said, Now Jesus commanded us that we should go up here and stay till we receive power on, from on high. Now, brethren, we've been here nine days already. Let us accept it by faith. Now we have the Holy Ghost. We go out because we've been here. We've done what Jesus told us to do. There had never been no experience. Let me tell you something. I know this is on tape, but here it comes anyhow. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's a shame. People, I'm, people trying to, I've never believed that the Holy Ghost was shaking. I've never believed that the Holy Ghost was evidence of speaking in tongues or crying or shouting. Them as emotional sensations. I believe the Holy Ghost can do that, but the Holy Ghost is tabernacling deity. I believe a great bunch of people that claim to have the Holy Ghost don't know one thing about him. You meet God. How the day of Pentecost, they said, now like the Baptist today, the Presbyterian, I asked, do you believe you got the, oh yes, we accept it by faith. By faith, nothing. That isn't it. It's a sensation. You see like a sunset. You stand and watch the sun go down and cry. And tears run down. That ain't God. That's emotion from something that's in you. You hear of somebody being sick or someone dying. You scream out and cry. That's not God. That's human emotion. How God? I've seen people at a ball game get so happy till they stammer their lips. Everything else. Don't tell me. We're in need of revival, a salvation. And the Pentecostals come around, get the people worked up, and tell them when they speak in tongues, they got the Holy Ghost. Some of them lives all kinds of lives afterwards. Listen, brother, at the day of Pentecost, it wasn't so. They never relied upon any tongues or anything. While they were there, standing in one place, in one accord, God come down literally among them. They saw on each one of them, like licks of fire, about like that, hanging above their head, God was there. It was no accept it by faith or some emotion. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and then went out and began to speak with tongues. But first they met God. That's what's the matter today. People get worked up and excited emotion and it's not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is tabernacling deity. Your words is his words. Tell you what we need today is a call. Amen. So, looking at that wonderful quote, what do we have? Again, we have the balance. Brother Bantam did make altar calls, but what was he saying? I don't believe in using human emotion and sympathy to pull the people to an altar. I believe that the Holy Ghost 
would draw people to give their hearts to Christ, whether that be at an altar or in their seat, on their face or standing up, however it might however the Holy Spirit is working, the people will receive it. And what he's what he's saying is it's not merely an emotion. It's not merely faith, receiving it by faith, but it's an experience wherein you meet God. It's real and true and genuine experience. At the day of Pentecost, they didn't just accept it by faith. Well, they did accept it by faith. That's why they were there. But accepting it by faith produced a real biblical experience. And accepting it by faith, producing that experience and outward emotion was produced by it. These are not drunken, as you suppose. You have to get it right in order. It wasn't the sensation of speaking it in tongues that showed that the Holy Ghost was there. Neither was it their faith merely that showed them that the Holy Ghost was there and moving. But it was the experience of the Holy Ghost himself, all right? They received the word. That's the start. If they didn't receive the word, they'd never be there to receive the whole, the experience there. Then they received the experience, and it was something that changed him. As Brother Branham said, your, your, your word is his word. Your life copes with the Bible, right? It's a true experience. It's not merely accepting it by faith. And it's not merely emotion, but it's by faith, accepting it, producing a genuine experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, resulting in some outward manifestation. It isn't merely faith, and it isn't merely the manifestation, but it is the experience. People can get an experience, even, that's an anointing on their spirit but it doesn't change their life. We want a true experience in the soul that produces the life of Jesus Christ. And emotions and sensations is with it. All right. Let's keep reading some more quotes. How, how are we doing for time? It's 26 minutes in, so we keep going for a little bit. Brother Bantam says the method, this is from God hiding himself in simplicity. March 17th, 1963, paragraph 249 through 251. The Methodist said, when we shouted, we, ha- we shouted, we had it, but they didn't. The Nazarene said, when they lived holy, they had it, but they didn't. The Pentecostal said, we speak in tongues, we got it, but they didn't. See, see, God unfolding himself, not in sensations. Sensations yet is with it. You see the place? It just gets so gets it so humble till anybody can see it. If you don't try to put inject your own mind to it, see, and your own thoughts, it's God. Now and then they become a bunch of fanatics. Then here is the cold formals on this side. Here is the fanatics on this side, the other side. And here goes the bride right straight through it all, calling from both sides. That's right. God vindicated as he goes along. Amen. 
So it's not a bunch of fanatics and it's not the cold formal. It's right in the middle. It's not in sensations, yet sensations is with it. In 1957, uh, uh, January 13th, what does it take to make a Christian life? Today, there's so much based upon intellectual. There's so much based in Pentecostal, upon fantastics, upon emotions. Now, don't take a substitute when Pentecostal skies are loaded with the real thing. Don't take some little emotion, some little worked up, some little oil falling from your hands or bloody face. Don't take these little emotions when the whole skies of God is full of real, genuine Pentecostal blessings. He'll give you a new heart, a new spirit, and put his spirit in you. In the sermon, Thirsting for Life, June 13th, 1957. There's a lot of you Pentecostal people here. You're longing for God. You might have went through the emotions and the dances and the little evidences and things you've had. That isn't what I'm talking about. The Lutheran thought they had it when they just lived, the just shall live by faith. The Methodists said when they shouted, they had it. They found out they didn't. The Pentecostals said when they spoke with tongues, they had it. They found out they didn't. Brother, don't take a substitute. Those things, shouting and speaking in tongues, that's all right. But that's an attribute. Have you got Christ? That's it. Got Christ in your heart, brother. Something that makes you bear the fruits of Christ. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. Oh, I've seen people shout and dance in the Spirit and speak with tongues and enough temper to fight a buzzsaw and go out and live every day ungodly and half-dress themselves and do shady deals and everything like that. Brother, that's not the fruits of the Spirit. Now, I want to remind you, you know, this is at a time where Brother Branham was looking at, at the evidence of the Holy Ghost as the fruits of the Spirit. But we understand that we, we fast forward to after the seals are open and Brother Branham speaks about it, it was, it's not the fruit, it's not love, it's not tongues, but it's receiving the word, revealed word for your age. And then when you receive the word, that produces the life. But neither can we take that and say it's only, remember Brother Branham says, you can't just say it's only by faith. Faith is what starts it. Faith in the written word of God is what starts it. But it produces ex experience. It produces the experience of the word. All right. I'm going to read a few more quotes and then we'll close. Brother Branham says, What it takes to overcome all unbelief, our faith, uh, July 29th, 1960. Now, always the meetings produces three classes of people, unbeliever, make-believer, and a believer. We've had that. We've always had that. We always will have it. And so we want to get the believer to be a believer, make-believer to be a real believer. Why would we accept a substitute when the skies is full of the real? Why do we something want something that's so fictitious and so, all something, a bunch of emotion or whatever it is? Now, I, now remember, I believe that the Holy Spirit has plenty emotions. Anything, I can prove to you anything that isn't, hasn't got life in it is dead. So that if the church hasn't got a little life, there's something wrong with the church. It needs a resurrection. So I believe we have to have emotion. 
I see we're on a basketball floor. Now, many people, children here, go to school, and I sure thank God for this beautiful school. It's the most beautiful school I ever I was ever in, I believe. In the auditoriums, I've been in many. But here, what if you had a basketball game here and your team was winning? Oh, my, you just sit there in the balcony and say, it's the deadest game i ever ever been in. Why, sure. Well, if our master's winning the fight, I tell you, it sure we sure could do a little cutting up once in a while, you know, let him know that we appreciate the victory that he's give us. That's right. So we don't want it to be a dead meeting, a dead church. We want it alive with the spirit of God moving. Listen, a real sensible, sane gospel way, just performing great signs and wonders and showing the signs of Messiah in our midst. Oh, I want to keep reading. I love that. That was beautiful. It it produces the true life of Christ in us, produces uh, rejoicing. And the Bible speaks of it clearly. Believest thou this? Uh, May 6, 1951, you got faith in God, stand pat. God will do it. Now I'm not excited. I just feel a little good. See, notice I get a little noisy. But I don't mean nothing by it. If you felt like I did, you'd be noisy too, maybe. Look, all right, I can prove anything without emotions is dead. See, your religion hasn't got any emotion about it. Bury it somewhere and get one that's got some life in it. Amen. All right, there's quite a number of other quotes I have. Um, I'm going to just grab those and go on to them in the next time that I I, uh, uh, go live. But I think this is important i think these things are clear the bible as as we read before you know it 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 speaks to us about different range of things it speaks to us be still and know that i am god and it speaks make a joyful noise under the earth make all the earth psalm 98 go ahead and read psalm 98 make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise again it's the word being being received in our hearts, producing a true, genuine experience, not an emotion, not a make-believe, not just a, I received it by faith, but a real experience of God that produces a true and genuine life lined up with the word. Brothers and sisters following the standards of the Bible. Both in our character and conduct, in our outward dress, and in our lives. And Brother Branham says, if you live just as God, holy as you do noisy, people will believe that your emotion is from God. So the Spirit of God moving in a service would produce emotion. Sometimes it's sorrow to repent. Sometimes it's rejoicing. Sometimes it's stillness. All these different ranges of emotion are possible, but sensation and emotion comes with it. I believe if you look at it this way, we want to manifest Christ. Manifesting Christ isn't merely emotion, but it's in power. A person can be a person, a church can be full of emotion, 
and have no true, genuine, supernatural miracles. A church also could could maybe be uh, a little on the dry side, and yet they have some emotions and they see miracles in their in their church. Again, you know we want we want to express the full range of the life of Christ. We want don't want to come by tradition. You know you can you can make a tradition out of being super emotional. You can make a tradition out of being super quiet. We don't want a tradition. We want a true, genuine move of the Spirit of God in our church. And sometimes it produces uh, quietness, but even in that, I believe there's emotion. There's been times when the preaching and the moving of the Spirit of God in, in my life has been so powerful and all I can do is sit in quiet and tears run down my face and ha- hands are lifted in the air. And that's an emotion. And sometimes I become so excited that I leap out of my chair and lift my hands and shout amen and hallelujah and thank you, Lord. We don't want to just pigeonhole God into our own way of doing things. We want a real move of the Spirit of God, which is a true, genuine experience that produces the life of Christ. Amen. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please let me know. I sure appreciate you all listening in. Uh, keep me in prayer. I'll be traveling uh, to uh, Fresno, California area to minister to a little church out there. Uh, pray for that. Pray for the meetings there and Let me know your prayer requests. Um, As I close, I'm going to lift you up to the Lord. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I thank you for each one of these believers. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you'd give us true and right hearts, Lord. Help us not to be in the position or condition where we're getting out of balance. We're going into the ditch of cold formal intellectualism or going into the ditch of fanaticism, Lord. Lord, but let us have a true, sane gospel that produces the life of Christ in every form. Let us not pigeonhole you or put you in a box, Lord, but our hearts and minds be open to whatever you, however you would move amongst us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, saints. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to Jason DeMar's live podcast. New episodes are posted every Tuesday and Friday. We thank you all for listening in. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube to watch the video portion of this. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you.